Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. You consider yourself a whistleblower, do you, Gavin? I've got some harsh news, buddy. It's a lot more like a kazoo. Ass. The following podcast contains... Tell me all the bad words you know. Go. Crap. Shut up. Butthead. Butthole. And... Butt crack. Butt night. Butt butt nose. Butt face. Butt head. Butt crack. Butt ear. Butt mouth. Butt teeth. Butt head. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you said all sorts of dumb racist shit on your podcast and thought that no one would notice it, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, September 20th, 2019 chubby white guy blues edition of the show where we talk about the cancel culture in America today. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by That Shit You Said. You must have done some shit. Find out with that shit you said. Are you a quasi-famous person with a public soapbox and a growing following? Do you perform a weekly podcast to an audience of hundreds and it's growing? Do you consider yourself a Twitter wit? Then you need that shit you said. Our trained shit you said specialist will go through your public performances and social media with a fine-tooth comb to find out all that shit you said and help you delete or defend it. No more being surprised after being announced as the next new whatever only to be milkshake duck within the hour. Our multi-ethnic, multi-gender, and multi-religion staff will discover every offensive and stupid thing you've ever said before you get called out saying it. In today's media culture, you cannot afford to be without that shit you said. Act now and get 10% off of that shit you did, our specialty service for conservative judicial nominees. Oh, some people don't like you to talk like that. Oh, some people would like to shut you up for saying those things. You know that. Lots of people, lots of groups in this country want to tell you how to talk, tell you what you can't talk about. Well, sometimes they'll say, well, you can talk about something, but you can't joke about it. Say you can't joke about something because it's not funny. Comedians run into that shit all the time. Like rape. They'll say, you can't joke about rape. Rape's not funny. I say, fuck you. I think it's hilarious. How do you like that? I can prove to you that rape is funny. Picture Porky Pig raping Elmer Fudd. See, hey, why do you think they call him Porky, huh? I know what you're gonna say, Elmer was asking for it. Elmer was coming on to Porky. Porky couldn't help himself, he got a hot on, he got horny, he lost control, he went out of his mind. This might come as a shock to you, but I grew up in a home where profanity was not only unspoken, It was unthinkable. And for at least the first 12 years of my life, crap was a very bad word. You just watch your language, mister. It was a major transgression to even hear someone's let slip a profanity. I mean, my sister and I would tattle on our granny when she let slip a shit far out of exasperation. 
You crazy kids might get away with dropping the S-bomb or letting slip an F-bomb in front of your parents today, but I assure you, nothing of the kind happened in my mother's house. Even something that sounded like a profanity was enough to get the soap again. Over the years, I got to be quite a connoisseur of soap. My personal preference is for Lux, but I found palm olive had a nice piquant after-dinner flavor. Heady, but with just a touch of mellow smoothness. Oh, you've all seen the movie, and let me tell you that that shit was some weak tea compared to how my mom would apply the wash your mouth that was soap technique. She would stand over your shoulder in the bathroom and ensure you washed that filthy little mouth of yours. You would lather up that bar until it got good and soapy, then place it in your mouth and run it back and forth over your tongue until your mouth was dripping in foam and a white stream of spit was running down your chin. That's, uh, well, okay, that is a little creepy. Yeah, I know, it was a much more innocent time and my mother still doesn't understand exactly how, how just creepy that was and I didn't either until much much later. My mother did this because, for one, she did not want people to think she raised the kind of little heathens who would use such filthy fucking language. I mean, clearly, uh... Yeah, she did. She did. But that came later. But also, she understood, as George said at the top of the show, the way to control thought is to keep control of language. If we kids said bad things, then we thought bad things, and if we thought bad things, then clearly we did bad things best to nip that shit right in the bud from her perspective, and she nipped and nipped it hard. What happened to change things? Well, I joined the military for one. I certainly had said a profanity or two before I enlisted, but I didn't use profanity. There's a difference. One says a profanity when they step on a Lego and and when they're bare feet. One uses a profanity when they structure a years-long podcast around swearing gratuitously and profusely as the central premise of a goddamn show. Oh, your mother must be so proud of you. Yeah, she's never heard it, and I'm fine if it stays that way because I don't want her showing up at my door with a bar of soap. Of course, today, kids and profanity, it isn't even a thing. Everyone's very relaxed about it all. To quote from Douglas Adams' Life, the Universe, and Everything, quote, In today's modern galaxy, there is, of course, very little still to be held unspeakable. Many words and expressions, which only a matter of decades ago were considered to be distastefully explicit, that were merely to be breathed in public, the perpetrator would be shunned, barred from polite society, and in extreme cases shot through the lungs, are now thought to be very healthy and proper. And their use in everyday speech and writing is just seen as evidence of a well-adjusted, relaxed, and totally unfucked-up personality. But even though words like juju floop, swat, and turling dome are now perfectly acceptable in the common usage, and here I break away from the uh, from Douglas Adams to paraphrase to make my point, there are still some words, the concept they embodied so involved revolting that the publication or broadcast of these words is utterly forbidden in all parts of the galaxy except for use in serious screenplays. Those words are anything that refers to a minority or ethnic group that you are not a part of. Yeah, we can't just go around simply saying any fucking thing we want to say in public. Indeed, many of us have come to learn that it simply just behooves us to Watch your fucking mouth. When just a few years ago, a man 
a white man could say anything he goddamn well pleased about anyone except, you know, a bigger dude's mom. Now we all got to worry that our that our opinions about people we know nothing about will get us in trouble. We got to be all basically politically correct and shit. And a lot of people, again, the overwhelming majority of whom seem to be men of the Caucasian type, are very concerned about what they call the cancel culture. Cancel culture or call-out culture is the modern version of public shaming. But instead of being locked in a pair of public stocks you have and have small children throw rotten food at you, you're mocked and ridiculed on social media for the thing you said. In some cases, there may be a boycott of your work and calls to you to be fired from your job. Just last week, a comedian by the name of Shane Gillis was hired and then rapidly unhired from Saturday Night Live because of some shit he said on his podcast. And hopefully, it will happen to you. Hey, you better hope it's not there, Gavin, because uh, you're going to have to try and get a job at Gimlet. And frankly, you don't fit the demographics, buddy. So keep pushing the board here. Let's listen, shall we, to the jokes that got Shane unhired from Saturday Night Live. Damn, Chinatown's fucking nuts. It's crazy. It is full fucking China. Dude, it's yeah. fucking Chinese down there. I wonder how that started. They just built one fucked up looking building and people were like, well, All right, no one said anything. Let the fucking chinks live there, huh? <laughs> well, they built these fucking like huge Shanghai house. The first one must yeah. have infuriated everyone. I'm, like, been, I'm pissed now. I go fuck? down there. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? Get these ducks out of that window. I, you know what? Yeah, true. Also, I'm always like, how can there be so many fucking restaurants down here? All restaurants. Well, because you go in, there's like one person eating ever. That white idiots like me are down there, true, sucking down neuters. I hate China. I hate the food at Chinatown. Sucks. I like Chinese food's a very dishonest cuisine. Further investigations found other episodes of enlightened thinking, leading to Saturday Night Live to Canada's ass 48 hours later. Gillis, for his part, apologized if anyone was offended, which is the way people apologize when they really mean fuck you. I don't apologize and fuck you if you're offended. Also, he said it was a mad TV guy. Dude, that's the most fucking offensive thing that I've heard so far because no one was a mad TV guy. See episode 221. Look, I never heard the guy stand upset. He may be the funniest motherfucker since Gallagher, for all I know. And I will die on the hill of any comedian to say offensive shit when the offensive shit they say is on stage and, you know, funny. The Carlin opener for this week was one of the funniest pieces of stand-up ever performed in his hail among feminists, at least feminists with a sense of humor, and that's the overwhelming majority of them, as a goddamn hilarious and insightful piece of comedy. It is also thoughtful and acknowledged the power dynamics at play. That is what makes it fucking funny. And I know, I know, who the fuck am I to say what's funny and what isn't it? I am not a stand-up comedian. I have a podcast listened by eight, listened to by eight people. How dare I presume to comment on something so far above my station? Well, you know what I say to everyone who thinks that? Kiss my chocolate starfish. <laughs> I'm the fucking audience. I am the exact people who get to make that determination. You can be adored by all the comedians in the world, but if the audience thinks your stuff ain't funny, then you're fucked. What Gillis said in this particular case was A, coming from a place of power and privilege as a white dude, B, straight out of a third-rate stage show from 1965, 
and C, genuinely fucking unfunny. Fucking up the word noodles with a generic Asian accent? How fucking avant-garde of you, sir. You truly are breaking boundaries in comedy. What my chubby white dude did was talk shit to his bro while spitting dip into his dip cup. That isn't comedy. That's every fucking white dude I knew from 1987 through 1997. And none of those fuckers were on Saturday Night Live either. Several comedians, comedians that I like and respect, are deeply concerned about Gillis and others being punished for saying offensive things and comedians being called out in general. Dave Chappelle's latest Netflix special opens with a 30-minute self-pity monologue because people were overset, upset over him making fun of trans peoples. And he went on to take it over the top, criticizing Michael Jackson's accusers, calling them liars and saying that if they were molested, well, you know what? That wasn't even that bad. Wait, he said what? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to repeat exactly what he said, but it was uh, it was pretty bad. And I thought the entire thing was whiny and beneath Chappelle, but you know what? He was up on the fucking stage, and he gets to say the kind of thing he wants to. You don't have to listen to it. You can turn it off. You can walk. You can get up and walk out and offend you. You cannot. You can even not hire Dave to perform at your venue. But Dave gets to say it, and the audience decides if they want to hear it or not, and whether or not it's funny. For what it's worth. After he got over his pity party, the rest of the fucking special was pretty fucking hilarious. Bill Burr, who's also on the record offending Gillis, routinely says things that would get your ass fired if you said them on the morning call, but Bill Burr's a fucking comedy genius. He knows what the fuck he is doing and has spent a lifetime crafting how far on the edge he can go before he falls off. If he's saying shit about Michelle Obama, he knows what the fuck he's doing, and Michelle may not find it funny, or maybe she was, I don't know. Either way, she ain't going to spend a lot of time worrying about some bald asshole on the stage at Royal Albert Hall. Michelle's got shit to do. She's got checks to cash and she'll be just fine. I mean, do you think Oprah gives a shit that I think that she's responsible for some of the worst people in the world getting a turn on the stage? Oprah don't give a fuck. She doesn't even know who the fuck I am. That's how power dynamics work in comedy, folks. A simple way to say it is punching up is good, punching down is bad. Professionals punch up. And you know what? Even after I just said all that, I too think Internet Outrage Machine is the dangerously out of control. Real people do face wildly disproportionate consequences for the stupid shit they say without thinking. I think about a woman named Justine Sacco. You probably don't remember her name, but you might remember the tweet heard round the world, quote, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS, just kidding, I'm white, unquote. Sacco tweeted this out, <laughs> tweeted out an admittedly bad tweet before she boarded a plane for 12 hours for South Africa, and the tweet ginned up a full-on Twitter mob that fell on her like a... I've been a ton of bricks for Dr. Dorian. She was assassinated on Twitter. She lost her job in real life, and this was in 2013 before we realized how much of what we say online could spill back into what we think of, what we like to think of at least, as real life. The Trump campaign openly says they are mining journalists, Twitter, and other social media for the stupid shit they said years before they realized social media meant something so they can be used against them. Anytime you piss off conservative by calling them out on the hateful shit they are actually doing, they will dig around in your history for the stupid shit you said and go be like, oh, what about this? And then fucking what about you to death with it? Once upon a time, you could say some stupid shit and it would be over and done with. Now you gotta wear the albatross of your idiot statements around her on your neck forever. And yes, I admit 
some call-out culture can be used for good. Because face it, some assholes need to be shamed for the shit that they do. I'm looking at you, Barbecue Becky. I'm looking at you. But what if I told you that sometimes even your basic Beckys get called out and maybe we don't know all the facts? Remember last year when a middle-aged white woman called the cops on a young black woman sleeping on the couch in a Yale student lounge? Oh, way to go, Karen. Yeah, she was widely mocked and ridiculed. Shit, even your humble podcast hope jumped on that train. Turns out the story's a bit more complex than a white woman gonna white woman, including a history of trauma and mental health problems on the part of the white woman who called. She also had a history of problems on campus based on her advocacy, her age, and a disagreement about a loud party. You know, stupid shit that just goes on. And also, that white woman had a long history of actual real civil rights work in the field around the world. It was a complex and nuanced situation, and no one bothered learning any of that because nuance and complexity when it comes to the internet, it's really boring. So yeah, sometimes things can go too far, or things said years before a person's views evolve can be dug up and used against them. I mean, you wouldn't even need to scrape off all that many layers of dirt to find some really questionable ass shit about me. Things that would get me tarred, feather, and run out of town on a rail. And they were done with the best of intentions. I wrote a poem back in 2004 in the black vernacular that at the time I thought was meant to highlight the language that today is the literary equivalent of wearing blackface. Would it matter how I meant it or how I wrote it? Maybe, maybe not. But the thing is, I wouldn't do it today, and I'm not sure that that even fucking matters. But that isn't what happened to Shane Gillis, because you know what happened to Shane? Actions have consequences. Yeah, bro, you said that shit last year. You said shit as recently as last month. It didn't crop up in an old high school yearbook. It was last month. And look, this is America. You get to say that stuff even if it offends people. But you got to realize it comes with fucking consequences. You went in a public forum and said shit that a 12-year-old boy would say in 1981. I know this because I said them as a 12-year-old boy in 1981. And you said them as a grown-ass man in 2018, knowing full fucking well that the world is going to blow up about them. It's not being edgy. It's being fucking 12. You want to be a professional comedian and say edgy shit on stage? Then work it into your act. What you did was talk shit with your boy in a public forum and it cost you a job on TV. Sucks for you, dude, but that's what happens when you fail to think of the fucking consequences. Sometimes consequences are worth the risk. You know, be willing to stand up for them and if, they, if they're worth it. But I simply can't see how what you did was worth that fucking risk. And I'm fucking a nobody, dude. Lauren Michaels isn't going to be having me in for an audition. No one gives a good fuck all what I say on this dumb show right up until the time that they do give a fuck about what I say. I say things on this show that I'm sure my day job would be very much disapproving of. And I'll stand behind them because they're important for me. But you know what? I edit myself all the time. There are things that I write in these scripts when I get to reading them during recording. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What the fuck was I thinking? I can't say that because say a miracle does happen and someday someone does start caring about the things I say. I don't know. Maybe they're going to find out that uh, I said something awful and it will cost me fourteen ninety five that I was getting paid to do a gig at the Shine Bomb Bar Mitzvah or something. I don't. That's probably unlikely. But still, or maybe someone in my office will hear and I'll be out of my well-paid, cussy-ass job that allows me to spend time writing this dumb show. Either way, those are the consequences, and I have to be willing to stand up for them. 
I'm willing to do it. Are you? You say that you're fine with it, but I don't think you are. I think you're going to play the victim and crop up on a lot of, a lot of fucking right-wing radio and podcasts. The world is changing. It's evolving. And the old rules for who gets to say things with impunity are starting to change. Not enough to say, keep Sean fucking Spicer off dancing with the has-beens, but that's another show. Right now, things are rushing ahead, and no one knows all the rules. So maybe it would be a good idea to stop and think about what you say, how you say it, where you say it, who will hear it before you say it. It's not hard. I do it all the time. And for a guy who loves to say fucking offensive and stupid things as much as I do, it's not easy. But you know what? If I can do it at 50, anyone younger than 50 who has grown up in this world can damn well do it too. And all of these comedians and other cultural critics moaning about not being able to say the things they want to say are just another iteration of the old people bitching about the world changing and all these things young people say they should do and say they shouldn't do anymore. I watched comedy evolve a lot since I was a kid, and there are a lot of things we can't say anymore. Some of them actual things that Gillis said that caused such a ruckus in the first place. Comedy, however, is a better place for not being able to say these fucking awful things. And the world is a funnier place if it's a little less dickish and different people than just a fucking chubby white dude can have some time on the stage. And if you're one of those people who is unhappy with Gillis' punishment, let me assure you, he wasn't punished. He wasn't even fired. He just wasn't hired. There's a difference. If you're fired, and I've been fired from a lot of the jobs, if you're fired, it happens a little bit more like this. A guy would come around to my desk and say, get the fuck out of here! And also, none of the jobs I got fired from, none of them were SNL. Shane will be fine. He'll be on Joe Rogan by the end of the month. He's not being punished for anything because (laughs) whatever's going on with him, it's not punishment. I know this for a fact because if he were being punished, my mom would be right there on him with her leaning over the sink behind him, watching him deep throat a bar of Irish spring. That is it for our show this week. Look, I just want to say that if I've offended anyone with what I've said tonight, it's important that you understand That it's not me, it's you. You are the asshole here. Because I am a professional podcaster. And I spend a lot of my time pushing the boundaries of my craft. There's simply no way you could ever understand the complexities that I endure of sitting down once a week, getting trashed, and reading words into a microphone while a potentially imaginary British man plays audio drops to the counterpoints of the conversation. I did not attend six days of podcasting school at Fast Eddie School of Podcasting to get my certificate in the podcasting arts so that some nobody could be offended by my art. Live my own life in my own way if I want to. Fuck off. Speaking of offensive, rate and review the show wherever you get your pods. This helps others to find the show and be offended by my art. Follow the show on Twitter, the Hell underscore shop podcast, or the show name on Facebook. All the shows are on the show name on SoundCloud at the newly redesigned upgrade and just spiffy as hell, whatthehellpodcast.com. There you will find bios of everyone in the show, our episodes of distinction highlighting the shows that, you know, we think are the best. Your mileage may vary. 
and knew some highlight clips, including videos of said of said clips, and a link to the Patreon Pod Pals Club, where you can donate a couple of bucks to keep the lights on in the trailer here and booze in my podcasting cup. Hit the website or head over to pod- patreon.com slash what the hell were you thinking and kick in a buck. You'll regret that you did, but you also might regret that you didn't. So for me, Dave, redneck stereotype Bledsoe, producer, posh Brit stereotype Gavin, and all the fictional offensive ethnic stereotypes on this show, we want to say sometimes, sometimes, even chubby white. You know what I spent four years at Harvard? I did my graduate work at Yale. I got stopped last night for drunk driving. This morning I got out of jail, well, sometimes... for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.